Hey, welcome to In Doubt. With the legalization of recreational marijuana right around the corner in Canada, it is so important that we address the topic critically. This week we hear a 15-minute presentation by author Mark Ward looking at the cultural perspective of marijuana. People don't turn to marijuana to make life more abundant, but to make it more mellow or worse. We have so many exciting things we're called to do, so many ways to love God and serve our neighbor. Why would we want to check out? We have a moral vision to offer, a description provided by our Creator of what the good life really looks like. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. I'm Isaac, your host. If you're new to In Doubt and have no idea who we are or what we do, uh, let me just tell you, take some time and tell you. Uh, we seek to bring the gospel to the relevant issues of life and faith that we face every single day to cultivate conversation. We want to spark conversations about different issues because conversations have the potential to totally transform and change lives. So whether we're addressing sexuality, mental health, abortion, pornography, alcohol, worldviews, theology, and more, we want to draw people into a conversation where there is an explicit gospel lens in which we're looking at the issue, right? But there's actually a better way, I actually think, to think about this. In, instead of saying, like I just said, that we're looking at things through a gospel lens, and people use this analogy a lot, right? Instead of wearing a gospel lens, the, the accurate way to consider it, I think, is that we have multiple worldly lenses, different worldview lenses, that constantly distort reality. But the true gospel lens is actually no lens at all. You know, looking or considering anything at this world, whether that's material things or ideologies or whatever it may be, looking at them without a lens is what we actually want. Because then we'll actually see what that thing is in reality, not a distorted reality because of a worldly lens, if that makes any kind of sense. So, <laughs> considering that, we at In Doubt seek to talk about the true reality of multiple issues of life and faith. We want to remove the, the worldly lenses so that we can actually see what the thing is in light of the truth. And that is the truth of the gospel, the truth of the Bible, the truth of the Christian God. Anyways, we do this primarily through a weekly radio and podcast show, the one you're actually listening to right now. Every single Monday, we release a brand new conversation that addresses a specific issue like mental health or alcohol or marijuana or any of those things. Now, I'll call up different Christian leaders. Maybe they're an author. Maybe they're a pastor. Maybe they're just a really good thinker from somewhere around the world and we'll just talk to them. I'll just ask them questions. Now, at Indo, we also produce resources in the form of articles, digging deeper into theological or cultural topics. We write little newsfeed blogs that help address current events with a kind of a theological perspective. We even produce Bible studies for individuals or for groups to use in their churches or their home groups or just by themselves in home. In fact, Jude for the Faith is available for free online. It's the Bible study that we just released last year. You can just head to our site at indote.ca to find that. We also hold live events. And this brings us to our episode today. Indote Live is a type of an event that we have that is kind of like a Christian TED Talk. We bring in three speakers to speak for exactly 15 minutes each on one specific topic. Usually it's a quite a hot topic. Uh, just last month, we had our second Indel Live event on the topic of marijuana. Now, if you're a Canadian listener, then you'll know that the Canadian government is preparing to legalize recreational marijuana sometime this 
year. Now, this requires us as Christians to think critically and biblically about it because there are a lot of questions that people have, people are confused, uh, and people just are kind of ignorant and unconsciously ignorant of it. They don't know that they have to be thinking about it. So that's why it's so critical that we that we do spend some time to consider this topic. So at the event last month, we had author Mark Ward there to address more of the cultural side of marijuana. He kind of answers the question, what is culture's take on marijuana and this whole issue? So here's Mark's 50 minute talk on culture and marijuana. I am a Bible teacher before I'm a culture watcher. So even though I've been asked to talk about marijuana from a cultural angle, I have to start with a theological one. And I also will appeal to 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. Paul says that Christ must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. This is the end of all history when Christ has all his enemies put under his feet and delivers up the kingdom to God the Father so that, as this passage says, God may be all in all. And I want to connect this issue of recreational marijuana use directly to Christ's rule and ultimately, giving another verse that Dr. John just used, God's glory. Recreational marijuana use is growing in popularity, I'm going to argue, because the one true God has not chosen to rule Western culture as directly as he used to. The overall plan of God is to put the nations under Christ's feet, but he is permitting a large amount of rebellion against his rule until the day when Christ will put down all rule and authority, as this passage also predicts. So that's the heading under which I'd like to look at marijuana and culture. Our job as Christians is always to obey the rule of Christ to apply his unchanging word to a changing situation. And that means we need to read uh, the, the Bible in our one hand and read the newspaper in the other. Dr. Neufeld looked at the Bible. Let's now look at the newspaper. So please turn, if you would, in your Vancouver Sun or your Globe and Mail to page A1. And let's try to read up on what the broader culture around us is saying and revealing about marijuana. I think Western culture is saying one thing and revealing another thing in its talk about marijuana. We're going to talk about those two things and go on to some brief counsel on how Christians might be salt and light as Christ our King commanded given our current cultural situation. So let's talk about what Western culture is saying. I think what Western culture is saying is we want freedom. And this of course is not new. Psalm 2 has the kings of the nations saying, let us cast away their cords from us. Here's the verse, Psalm 2, 2 to 3. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, that's Christ, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. The nations have always wanted to get out from under Christ's rule. They want freedom. Freedom is one of the major gods, lowercase g, of Western culture. So, so much so that I feel compelled to say right away, as I'm part of Western culture, that I'm not against freedom itself uh, when defined by the Bible. But the very idea of defining and therefore limiting 
Our freedom is offensive in our culture, is it not? The French Revolution made liberté one of its three watchwords. The U.S. calls itself the land of the free. Freedom is on the postage stamps in the drawer in my desk. Freedom for all is part of the pledge to the flag that every U.S. child makes every day. And you here in Canada have a charter of rights and freedoms. Freedom is a powerful God. It is another mark of the reach of this God that it wasn't until I was about 30 years old that I myself ever stopped to ask the question, freedom from what? And freedom for what? Edmund Burke, a British politician who was active during key years in the history of both of our nations, said, the effect of liberty to individuals is that they may do what they please. We ought to see what it will please them to do before we risk congratulations. It didn't occur to me till I was 30 to ask them, what does it please them to do? If the movement in Western culture for a long time has been toward greater and greater freedom, the only principles standing in the way have tended to be, and here I borrow from a culture watcher, a moral philosopher, Jonathan Haidt, not a Christian, those principles have tended to be harm and fairness. As long as an action does, doesn't bring harm, as defined by prevailing cultural norms, and as long as it no longer it has no apparent threat to equality, Westerners tend to think it ought to be permitted. So we're in an era of history in which God permits his creatures to permit things he doesn't permit. Does that make sense? And I think it's fair to say that the West overall is giving more liberty to people to live against God's rule. But you cannot throw off the yoke of Christian truth all at once. By God's grace, he restrains sin, even in a culture. Think of Abimelech in the Old Testament, to whom God says, yes, I kept you from touching Sarah, Abraham's wife. There are many non-Christian Canadians who have supported morally good policies. They've sustained moral good in your culture because God has restrained the effects of the fall in their mind and heart. And by God's special grace, there are many Christian Canadians who have acted as moral roots in the soil. At least that's the way we're supposed to act, right? Western culture is saying it wants more freedom. We Christians need to be moral voices warning graciously, lovingly of the slavery that comes with any freedom that has not been granted by Christ. You either get Christ's easy yoke or the world's hard and deadly one. Those are the only two options out there. It's what Western culture is saying. We want freedom. Now I want to talk about what I think Western culture is revealing in its talk about marijuana. The West says it wants more freedom. I think it's revealing that its moral language is thin if not entirely bankrupt. And I say this because in my judgment, marijuana is discussed almost solely in utilitarian terms. To be clear, it's not wrong to consider the financial impact of marijuana legalization and the subsequent regulation. I watched the mayor of Edmonton, which I visited and taught in before uh, in a video, and he talked about the policing, the enforcement, the inspection costs. They're going to come up uh, this year sometime, probably. Totally appropriate for him. But in my searches through Canadian news about this topic, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong later, I was struck by how difficult it was for me to find anyone talking about marijuana from a moral perspective. 
I'm certain that the topic has been discussed from this angle in Canada because all people are moral beings. Paul says so in Romans 2. And Canada has a Christian cultural heritage, not wholly unlike the U.S. But I searched your major news outlets, and it's the same in America just about, and I didn't see any, any moral talk. About the closest I came was a McLean's article which dismissed the, quote, moral panic which led to the criminalization of marijuana in Canada in 1923. And the article went on to say this, the case for legalizing personal use of cannabis hangs on addressing two key questions. And I'm asking, okay, what are the key questions? Are any of them going to be moral? The author said, what is the cost and social impact of marijuana prohibition? And what are the risks to public health, social order, and personal safety of unleashing this on Canada? I was hopeful when I saw social impact. I thought, okay, maybe we're going to get to moral analysis, some kind of question about what kind of society do Canadians want to have? What kind of values do we want our children to live out? But instead, I got more utilitarian talk about the high financial costs of enforcing existing marijuana restrictions, about the projected impact on traffic safety and public health, conceived in a merely physical way, not moral or spiritual, so the secularizing West does not know how to talk about morality because the public square is supposed to be free, not only free, but equal, not picking one worldview or one vision of the good life over another. But humans cannot live this way. We cannot keep our moral visions out of the public square. So we smuggle in our visions of the good life under guises we ourselves don't always see. A moral vision of what life should be one which maximizes freedom, conceived by prevailing norms today, has ended up winning lots of the ground, especially elite ground in our culture. Now, U.S. culture, which of course I'm more familiar with, does permit a very few people to occupy positions in which they get to preach a more or less Christian morality to the public. And the main ones that I know are two New York Times op-ed opinion writers who are conservatives, one of whom is a professing Christian, the other one not. And that one is David Brooks. And listen to what he said. Uh, laws profoundly mold culture. So what sort of community do we want our laws to nurture? What sort of individuals and behaviors do our governments want to encourage? He says, in healthy societies, government wants to subtly tip the scale to favor temperate, prudent, self-governing citizenship. In those societies, government subtly encourages the highest pleasures like enjoying the arts or being in nature, and discourages lesser pleasures like being stoned. It's a, cult, a Christian in our culture's job to say a little amen to that when we hear somebody using moral language in the public square. So let's talk then about what Christians need to say in public. What do we need to say to our culture? I think we need to listen to its talk of freedom and offer a better freedom. I think we need to expose the absence of a moral vision and offer one. Now, we need to be very careful here because preaching can be self-righteous and politically selfish. In America, in my growing up years, we had a movement called the Moral Majority. It was largely made up of Christians, and it was entirely made up of Republicans rather than Democrats. And I'm embarrassed to say yet again, it didn't occur to me till I was quite into my adult years, that implicit in that name moral majority was something of a boast. I, that is, we're the moral ones and our political enemies are the immoral ones. That usually doesn't help in political discussion, okay? And it's not true. 
There is morality and there is immorality on both sides of every political aisle. All the Democrats in the United States of America, I can generalize, are made in the image of God. They do have God's law written on their hearts. And all the Republicans, just like all the Democrats, are twisted by the fall of mankind. The line between good and evil, as Solzhenitsyn said, does not run between political parties, but, between, but through every human heart. That's a teaching of the Bible as well. We need to bring humility and love to all our speech in the public square, even and especially social media, which is the only public square that most of us will ever get to speak in. Dr. John, maybe Dr. McCory being some of the only exceptions. So I think I can motivate you a little bit to speak with love and grace if you're a Christian by quoting my country's most celebrated Olympian ever, the swimmer Michael Phelps. He's not a believer, as far as I know. And after his amazing athletic triumph back in 2008, where he won eight gold medals, he got spotted smoking marijuana. He admitted that his actions were, quote, regrettable, good for him. And he made a touching comment, truly touching. He said the drug was his method of, quote, self-medicating myself, basically daily, to try to fix whatever it was that I was trying to run from. When I heard that, I did not scoff. My heart goes out to him. Even while riding a wave to the top of the world, he had problems that he could not fix, and he turned to marijuana. The novelist Flannery O'Connor has said that our culture is still, to this day, Christ-haunted. But Christ is clearly not the king of North American culture. We worship other gods now. And Michael Phelps turned to a different one when he had troubles. Phelps looked to that God for salvation, and what did he find? He only found slavery. Because we are embodied souls in a created order, it's not wrong to seek medical treatment. Medicines are a good gift of God, something humans should seek to make from his good creation. But it's a sign that we're worshiping the creation rather than the creator when we look to that creation to do what only the creator can do. And this, I think, is the most common problem personally with marijuana. I look at the culture out there of it, and though I have no uh, complaints about medical treatments when properly vetted, I think Jesus is jealous to be the solution to your anxiety. We should be able to find rest in his arms, not in mind-altering drugs. No, and let me correct that. We, we should find rest only in his arms, ultimately speaking. The effect of giving people freedom to self-medicate is that they will do it. And we know that checking out with pharmacological assistance will only make people's problems worse. But we, we, we have hope. We have Christ. We don't need to run from our problems. We can run to a strong tower and be safe. This is something we need to say to our culture. People don't turn to marijuana to make life more abundant, but to make it more mellow or worse. We have so many exciting things we're called to do, so many ways to love God and serve our neighbor. Why would we want to check out? We have a moral vision to offer, a description provided by our creator of what the good life really looks like. If we really love our neighbors that God has put in our lives, we'll have an unexpected angle in public. We can show love to them. Let me finish with one quick story. A little restaurant close to my church where I used to live in South Carolina wanted a liquor license, which is actually against local zoning laws. And this is one sentence, so I'm, it's going to last a little while. Uh, and the uh, assistant pastor there, who's one of the wisest people I know, was asked to come and testify, should this be allowed? And, that was a comma, and... Instead of leaning hard on the law, which he could have done, he could have said, look, right here it says they can't do this. 
He said, um, the tax revenues are appealing, sure, but we pastors deal with people on the other side of alcohol abuse. We should be coming with that kind of love and grace and compassion and humility toward a culture that is self-medicating instead of running to the only true solution to their problems, slavery to Christ. That was author Mark Ward giving his 15-minute presentation at our recent event called Let's Talk Marijuana back in February, alongside Dr. John Newfeld, who is a Bible teacher, and Dr. Lucinda McCory, who is a family physician here in British Columbia. Again, this is an issue we want to address seriously and constantly, uh, because in Canada, at least, at least, recreational marijuana is preparing for uh, legalization. And I think it's important that when we talk about recreational marijuana, we have to remember our purpose in life as Christians. A few weeks ago, if you listen regularly to In Doubt, you'll have remembered our conversation with Portland-based pastor Jeff Lassine. And he mentioned this idea that we participate in things in life that are reality clarifying and not reality distorting. And this point really actually helps shape at least my understanding of recreational marijuana, but also so many other things in life. We can take that same thinking, which is true thinking, by the way, and, and apply it to everything. For example, our recreational media consumption or our recreational alcohol drinking and things like that. The idea is we are made to face reality as God has designed it. But still, someone may bring up the fact, you know, I can consume marijuana recreationally without getting high for reality-clarifying purposes. Well, firstly, I, I doubt someone would say that exactly. Sounds kind of like a devil's advocate statement in one sense, but say they did. I think it best to address the truth that this life is not about us. Yes, we can experience worldly joys like really good Thai food and amusement park rides and whatever, whatever, whatever else you think is fun. But honestly, we shouldn't be invested in those joys if they're distracting us from the real purpose in life, which is God's glory. You know, this life is not about us. It's actually about God. So let's shift our consideration just for a moment on this idea that this life isn't about us, but it's actually about God's glory. There comes a point in every genuine Christian's life when this reality hits them. It's not about me. And sadly, many people live out a quote-unquote Christianity altogether that it is about them. They read their Bibles to see how it benefits them. They go to church to personally experience the joys of singing and fellowshipping with other people. They give money to the church and Christian organizations because of the personal feelings of worth and pride they receive from it. And they participate in many Christian things because they enjoy the positive, safe, and family-oriented environment the North American Christian culture provides them. Now, most of those feelings aren't wrong. Uh, in fact, we should encourage the joys that come when we do church stuff. They're only wrong when your personal gratification from doing them is the sole purpose of your participation of them. If all you think of when you think about Christianity, and if all you say when in Christian conversations, and if all you do regarding Christian things is centered on you and your benefit, then there might be a slight problem. And this stretches to all of life, not just your Christian things, but your sort of worldly things as well. The problem is that God never intended our faith to be centered on us. So when we do center our faith on ourselves, we're completely missing the point. I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation with someone and what they're saying is going way over your head, but you pretend to know what's going on. Well, imagine, and maybe this has happened to you, but imagine if they turned their eyes on you and asked, what do you think? 
Undoubtedly, you'd probably make a fool of yourself if you said anything. Well, Christians who go their whole life thinking that Christianity is about them are kind of like those stuck in that situation, except they're not even aware of it. Here's the startling fact. Our faith isn't ultimately about ourselves, but it's ultimately about God. Consider the opening lines of Paul's letter to the church in Rome in the first century. It says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised, God promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. That's Romans 1, 1 through 5. In summary, Paul's saying that God's gospel is about Jesus, the fully God and fully human son of God who has been resurrected from the dead and appointed as Lord. So what have we gained from this resurrected, fully human, fully God, son of God named Jesus? Paul says we've received grace and apostleship through him, God. That's, that's really good news. Paul goes on to say that this grace and apostleship we've received is for the purpose of making us into genuine Christians, or you could say disciples or adopted sons and daughters of God. And a genuine Christian, disciple, adopted son or daughter, a genuine person like that is someone who professes faith in Jesus and strives to live obediently according to that faith. Now, for many, that's kind of where it ends. But we can't miss that last point. All of what was just stated is, and I quote from Paul, for the sake of his name. This is a much greater study than we have time for, obviously, today, but it's one of many statements in the Bible that hint at the fact that Christianity, not just Christianity, all of life is not about us, but about God and his glory. As a final thought on this thought, consider all the benefits you may receive from your Christianity. Much of that is God's grace on your life. And that grace doesn't end with impacting you, but ultimately ends in God and his glory. Christianity is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about anyone in particular, but it's about him. It's all for the sake of his name among all the nations. So, in recognizing all of that, how does recreational marijuana fit into that sort of thinking? And that's a good question. And I would, you know, suggest and challenge you to think about it. How can recreational marijuana fit into the life of a Christian when that Christian's purpose is to, you know, glorify God? Mark Ward has written a book called Can I Smoke Pot? Marijuana in Light of Scripture. I've read this book and I would highly recommend it. It's really short. It's kind of an introductory book on this topic. He wrote it with a fellow named Tom Breeden, and they both just really clearly explain the issue of marijuana, both recreationally and medicinally, in regards to evangelical biblical truth and biblical living. And like I said, it's short. It's almost a one-sitting read, so definitely get your hands on that. I'll provide some links on the episode page for you. Now, if you didn't know already, the Ministry of In Doubt is a nonprofit organization. It's a charity. We don't hold back our any of our main ministry endeavors from the public use for a price. We, we give it all away for free. Our weekly conversations, like the one you're listening to now, our articles and blogs, our Bible studies and our live events, all of that we give away for free. We, we honestly rely on God's provision through the donations of many generous partners across the country. Some give small amounts, like $5 a month, and some give large amounts, but all of it 
counts. So if you want to support, it's super easy. Just click the donate button and then the I listen to in doubt option at indoubt.ca if you live in Canada or indoubt.com if you live in the States. Be sure not to forget to connect with us throughout the week. You can comment, like, and share our posts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also email us at hello at to suggest a topic or a person that we should talk to on the actual program. Well, I'm Isaac, and next week we chat with Dr. Andreas Kostenberger on the resurrection of Jesus. We'll see you then. Indoubt Ministries exist to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indoubt.ca if you live in Canada and indoubt.com if you live in the U.S.